with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, June 14th. We begin with a look at the extreme rain event happening in southern Alberta, specifically the flood mitigation protocols that have been put in place since the record flooding of 2013. And if they're enough to safeguard the city of Calgary this time around. Next, it's our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. This week, Mercedes brings us details on the sentencing of the man who took the lives of 10 innocent people in that deadly van attack in Toronto back in 2018. Next, we hear about a local success story making a difference to Calgarians in need. We speak with Karen Ramchuk, President and CEO of the Women in Need Society, for a look at their retail operations and how they're marking 30 years of giving back to the community. And finally, from the latest in the world of gaming to a new app that lets you virtually shop for shoes. We get all the high-tech details from the gadget guy, Mike Yanni. A rainfall warning remains in effect. The city under a local state of emergency as the rain continues to fall this morning. Well, yesterday on the drive with Ted Henley here on 770 CHQR, Ted spoke with John Pomeroy, Canada Research Chair in Water Resources and Climate Change based in Canmore. John explained the current state of the Bow River upstream from the city and why he does not expect a repeat of the 2013 flood. The Bull River at Banff has been going up, but it's not in an extraordinarily high stage yet. And as we get uh, further downstream, uh, the river levels are still normal at this point in time. But it's expected to change rapidly as that water moves downhill. But I don't think it's going to play out like 2013 did for a variety of reasons. Um, the principal one being that it, this is a much colder air mass uh, weather system and uh, a lot of this precipitation is expected to fall as snow in the high mountains rather than as relatively warm rain which is what it did in 2013 and that warm rain can melt the snow that's in the high mountains and of course then it forms immediate runoff and runs downhill and it you know it's going to drop about a kilometer by the time it hits into the rivers so uh in calgary so it's coming fast uh whereas if it comes to snow then it's going to sit there and melt uh, relatively slowly over the next uh, few days and weeks. Fortunately, other factors in here. Um, as the water goes downstream, it uh, the flood peak naturally attenuates. It stretches out a bit. and uh, uh, But also there are, are a number of reservoirs between Canmore and Calgary on the Bow River. And um, what's uh, really different this year from 2013 is that these reservoirs are kept right now at the, as low a level as they can be. So they're holding, uh, they're ready to catch this water coming in and uh, fill it up slowly, release it more slowly. And so the uh, the peak stream flows hitting Calgary will be greatly reduced from what they would be if these reservoirs didn't exist. Very interesting comments. And uh, of course, that was yesterday afternoon. That was the update as recently as yesterday afternoon from John Pomeroy, Canada Research Chair in Water Resources and Climate Change based in Canmore. Mm -hmm. And uh, just kind of reiterating what we spoke about yesterday. Rainfall in the city that, you know, does not help the cause. But we are talking about what is happening to the West and in that runoff. And the good example I'd like to, to revisit is in 2005, we had about 100 millimeters more in the month of June rainfall than we did in 2013. But oh, it wasn't the banks. It wasn't the, what is coming our way. So that's mm-hmm. what we're looking at. And I, I want to also bring to your attention some of the numbers that meteorologist Tiffany Lise gave us from Global TV. And it looks like, well, these totals came down late last night. 
And Jody Hughes was in the Weather Center, and they remain true, which was 26 millimeters at the airport when okay. it comes to totals. 40 west sections of the city. So not surprising. Yeah, so it, but we go with, we have to go with one number. And I, I've said time and time again, we perhaps need different quadrants of the city to tally. Because it's tally. so different, isn't it? This is the city of Calgary. Yeah. How? It's some, huge and different in all quadrants. Some quadrants can get walloped by a snowstorm, mm-hmm. for example. The other, really, like with uh, spring-like conditions. But we, if we go with the 26 millimeters, and uh, she is saying in the forecast up to 40 more millimeters today, that gives us 66 millimeters. Lingering chance overnight, and as you move into the next uh, 24 hours past, it looks like about another 20 millimeters. So all said and told, it looks like at this point, and again, things can change up, maybe 86 millimeters uh, in the short term here. Not to say the remainder of the month might not be wet. Right. But maybe not that 125. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's where we need to be concerned, right? If we start to get over that 100 millimeter mark, then we're we're worried. But if we don't, you know, if we're not reaching that, that, the worst case scenario... Hopefully things will pan out to be a little bit better and certainly not a repeat of 2013. Um, we should just remind people too, the rainfall warning is in effect. Still in effect. That, so is that, is that warning certain amounts? Is that why they put the warning in place? Well, because it's the city of Calgary and it says 125 millimeters by Wednesday morning. Uh, and again, heaviest falling to the west. That's a, you know, we could see up to 150 to the west. It very much is on okay. a slide, depending on where you are. Uh, but, of course, this was issued at 5.03, so a couple hours in. I'm sure they'll be updating it. And, what, what, you know, the mitigation that they've been working on, that that's great. But you showed me a picture this morning, which kind of blew my mind mm-hmm. as far as getting steps ahead. Now, we know about the traffic closures on Memorial. Great. Memorial, by the way, nor, uh, east and westbound, west of Edmonton Trail is closed because they've set up berms in that area to protect the homes. So yeah. you cannot get along and through that section of Memorial to the west of yeah. Edmonton Trail. But the reservoir, uh, it was a mind-blowing picture that yeah. you showed. It's dry. It was basically dry. As they did, they prepped for all of this rain and somewhere to put the water that they're expecting to roll through, right? So uh, the Glenmore Reservoir, I've never seen it. I've never seen the bottom of the reservoir, but they are ready and they have, you know, prepared and and things are in place because we learned some big lessons back in 2013. Um, Also, of course, we do have a state of local emergency in effect for the city of Calgary. Uh, Why, people were asking? Well, it gives the mayor um, help with emergency services should there be a need for evacuations, though she didn't foresee that being required at the moment, but it gives the uh, ability to get to it quickly and also helps the mayor access provincial funding should that be required should the flooding actually start to get worse or we actually do see overland flooding um also uh, you know you and i were, were checking this out this morning river cafe yeah on princess island park they cleared out yesterday they have a, an extensive wine selection there they moved all the wine out they cleared all the food out. your house hopefully yeah i wish i offered (laughs) i don't know why they didn't bring it over um they brought you know they took all the food out and anything that they could because they've lived through the floods yeah and in anticipation of anything going wrong they're ready because that's a beautiful restaurant you don't want to lose all that especially when you know you can move things out of the way and put it back in so they're closed for a couple of days i think that the, the the bottom line is it was 2013 yeah it was almost 10 years ago but our we can have a short memory, and is it history repeating itself? I guess we'll see how things set up. And I was, uh, you know, on, on the same page as John that you heard from Ted Henley's show there that if it's falling as snow, that's huge for us because yes. it takes longer to melt. Mm-hmm. Doesn't just you know 
flow down into our city. Um, but why not prepare? Why not have a four, a uh, couple of days, maybe three or four days? And this is something that you uh, touched on earlier with these closures. And you ran into this yourself. You had to change your route. Yep. So over the next couple of days, keep those eyes peeled. Keep, uh, you know, on top of things because your same route, your same routine might be broken a bit. Uh, but let's do what we can to prevent a repeat performance from 2013 if we can. Please, please, please. I was talking to Leslie Horton from Global Television last night. and She was she lives down in Bowness, and they're watching the river very, very closely in that area, as you can imagine. So, you know, in, in High River, a lot of people are sort of, you know, really on edge and, and maybe a little PTSD happening yeah, there say. because it was so extreme for them in 2013. And they're seeing really high levels down that way as well. So everybody is on the watch, on the lookout and hope that we don't see a repeat and and hopefully we will not see those extremes again yep got a great text in as well here it says uh, please advise drivers to turn on their headlights so their taillights yeah. can be seen in the spray yeah visibility not ideal also watch for pedestrians running out to try and get out of the rain i get that watch also when you're I don't want your speed because I, I may have splashed somebody in a parking lot. Uh, Andy. You, you don't know. I'm sorry. You we're do wet. that on purpose um, sometimes too. You know what happens is this is important to know when it comes to driving. I know you might call me a jerk. You don't know how deep those puddles are either. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so be careful with the vehicle thinking, you know, the water looks shallow enough for me until your vehicle gets stuck. So it's not to cause concern. It's just better to be safe than sorry out there. Alec Manassian has been sentenced following the deadly 2018 van attack that took the lives of 10 innocent people in downtown Toronto. With details, we are joined by Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block. Good morning to you, Mercedes. Hey, good morning. I wonder if you can break this down. It came down yesterday. The details of the sentence handed down to Alec Manassian. What, what do we know? So uh, we know that he was sentenced to 25, uh, pardon me, sentenced to life in jail with no possibility of parole for 25 years. Um, And this is significant because there's been a debate over what was going to happen with his actual sentencing. Um, And the Supreme Court recently had a ruling that that made a decision about this. And the question was sort of, can you put together back-to-back sentences so that you push back when somebody is eligible for parole. So if they're serving um, not um, consecutive, but concurrent life sentences, what difference does that make? Are you still eligible for parole after 25 years, no matter what? Or if you give somebody uh, consecutive life sentences, would it maybe be 50 years? Supreme Court was very clear that they believe that it's an infringement on your rights not to allow for an attempt at parole after 25 years because it suggests that somebody cannot change, that they cannot uh, get better, that they cannot uh, be rehabilitated. So he has now been sentenced, and we know that sentence is life in prison. Um, He will be eligible for parole after 25 years, but not until then. And of course, then it's still up to the parole board. It's not automatic that somebody gets parole when they are eligible. Uh, It has to be determined by the parole board whether or not they get out. It's just been a horrific case to to listen to, especially of the last couple of days during this sentencing, to listen to the, the people who have suffered through it, not just the people who were hit Mercedes by the van that he drove down a Toronto street, but the, the first you know people who were on site to try and help those that were victims. It's just been horrific to listen to. Was there any response from the 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 I don't even want to say his name, but from the, the man who has now been held responsible for this attack? So, you know, I, I'm not sure if he responded directly. I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's certainly, you know, to your point about uh, what 
what effect this had. I remember covering this attack, um, and it was it was evident that the people on the scene were dealing with such a horrific scene, um, and, and and it's it's partially so shocking for for people when this happens because you're not expecting this kind of violence when you're on your way to get a coffee or into work or for a walk with a friend. It's just so out of context and so extreme. Um, and then on top of that, the, the nature of the kinds of injuries you're talking about with a vehicle hitting people, um, really, really disturbing for those who survived, for those who ran to try to help, and for the first responders who were on scene. Mercedes, let's switch gears and talk energy. We know that the price at the pump is sky high for us, as in the U.S., and the conversations do continue as far as where the U.S. gets their energy from. Does it appear that the U.S. is open to importing more Alberta oil and gas? And, and, and if they were, how would the imports affect consumers? Well, that's an interesting question, and I put it to um, the American ambassador on the show on Sunday because he'd made some comments previously that were reported by the National Post uh, in which he was reported to have said that basically that the U.S. is not open to more Alberta oil and gas. And that got the hackles up on the energy minister in Alberta who said those comments were ill-informed and made it very clear she was unhappy with them. He told me that he said that they are open to more, that they're always open to more, but that the priority is very clearly uh, on developing you know, non-fossil fuel sources, clean energy sources. Um, so he's not ruling it out, but he's also making it super clear that's not really where they're looking to go. He raised doubts about whether more Alberta oil and gas would do anything to bring down the price at the pump. He disagreed as to whether Alberta could potentially provide enough barrels of oil a day to make a difference through pipeline capacity that's remaining um, and through rail. So I, I think the, he's saying the, U, the U.S. is still open for more Alberta oil and gas, but it's definitely not at the top of the list of the things uh, the U.S. is looking for, despite the high prices and despite uh, looking to wean themselves off of Russian oil and gas in the wake of what's happened uh, with Russia invading Ukraine. Mercedes, also on this past episode of the West Block, you talked with conservative leadership hopeful Patrick Brown. Handful of folks in that leadership race. It's kind of taken a, a little bit of a, a back burner spot, but certainly interesting discussion because Patrick Brown, and it sounds now that Jean Charest is jumping on board with this, they think that uh, Pierre Polyev is uh, making a lot of stuff up as he goes along. Yeah, and he basically says that he thinks Pierre Polyev is making up the number of memberships he uh, says he sold, which is around 312,000. They're saying that if that's true, it would mean nobody else sold any other memberships based on the fact that we know there are 600,000 people now, according to the party, uh, approximately registered to vote, and how many were in before. Now, Patrick Brown himself says that he sold around 150,000, but he wouldn't give us an exact figure. Even that number would be extraordinarily high because it's it's exponentially higher than what other folks had raised in previous leadership races. Uh, So it'll be really interesting if we eventually see how this plays out Mm -hmm. with who people are voting for. And keep in mind, um, the thing with memberships is interesting is it's really important you sell them so people can vote for you. But even more important is that they actually vote for you. So just because somebody's bought a membership doesn't mean they'll vote, and it doesn't always mean they'll vote for you. Um, but there's certainly a sense that they are raising very direct doubts about Pierre Polyev's campaign. They are saying it's impossible that he could have raised um, this number of memberships in the amount of time. Uh, Mr. Polyev's campaign is saying that you know they are ready to steamroll everyone else. And, and it certainly seems like from external watchers, uh, Pierre Polyev 
certainly is is by far and away the, the front runner. But of course, there's still time uh, before the vote happens. There's still time before they count that vote out. It's supposed to be around September 10th that we get that result. Uh, but it certainly looks like Pierre Polyev is the front runner at this point. Front runner at this point, is it still, as you mentioned, Mercedes, we still have time. Is there an opportunity to perhaps see a, a new name or two into that race? No, that time has passed. Um, so you, you have to have sold X number of memberships to even stay in the race at this point. Okay. Uh, so it will be someone who we have seen up there. The question is just two sort of uh, the three front runners are considered to be Pierre Polyev, Jean Charest, mm-hmm. uh, and Patrick Brown. But because this can go to second and third ballots, um, even though some folks think Pierre could win on the first ballot and that day, there's still time. Uh, he could take it all. He could have to, to run a harder race and, and have to, you know, win people back over. Um, but there it will be somebody who is on that candidate field that we see so far. Lots to cover this morning. Mercedes, thanks so much for the update. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block, which uh, runs obviously on Global on Sundays and re-airs here on 770 CHQR Sundays at 11 a.m. Women in Need Society has diverted 4.1 million pounds of clothing, household items and furniture from Calgary landfills, all while helping women around the city. And the need is greater than ever. To get the details on what WINS does, we're joined this morning by the president and CEO, Karen Ramchuk. Hi, Karen. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I love what you do. I think it's just wonderful and obviously very, very much necessary in our city. Tell us a little bit, for those who don't know, how long has WINS, the organization, been around and what exactly you do? So this is WINS 30th year in Calgary. We're um, really happy to be celebrating our 30th anniversary. And what WINS does is we run thrift stores And the revenue from those thrift stores pay for our community programs, which help women and their families in the battle against poverty and other crises. You know, Karen, I've driven by. There's a wind store right uh, by my house. I was saying to Sue off microphone here, oh, I think they have two or three stores. No, that's not the case. You (laughs) folks cover the city. Tell us about the winds that we can, you know, uh, support and also the Moore store, if you can break those things down for us. Absolutely. We have six family thrift stores across the city. Um, and when you shop our stores, those revenues go directly to pay for our teams, which help the women directly in crisis. And then in 2020, through COVID, we, were, we looked at our environmental footprint and knew we wanted to do more. So that's why we opened what we call the More Store, which is a unique bulk thrift concept um, it's the first in our city of its kind where all items are sold for a dollar or less. And the more you buy, the lower your price goes. So it's it's like a bulk store, but for, you know, clothing and accessories and that sort of thing, right? Absolutely. It is a different shop than our thrift stores. It really is um, low service model. So everything's in bins and you go in and you go through the bins and find the items that suit you. Um, because it needs to be low labor for us to sell everything for a dollar or less. So we can help out not only by shopping there, and there's some great finds, some great treasures, and I know that upcycling and vintage is the trend right now, uh, but also we can we can bring our goods. How does that process work from home if I want to you know, uh, get rid of some things that I, I don't need anymore? 
Absolutely. So WINS accepts lightly used clothing, household and furniture items. And we accept items at all of our stores or our donation center, which is located actually where the Moore store is at 700 754th Street Southeast, directly across the street from the soccer center. So, Karen, you know, we can go in and we can shop at the thrift stores if we want to. But what about the women who are are in need and maybe just, you know, that they need to go to a job interview? They don't have an outfit. How does that work for them? Yeah, so all all Calgarians, we encourage all Calgarians to shop at WIMS. But what we do for the women that are needing items, we actually believe in a very discreet and respectful manner. So they come and they talk to our social workers and the rest of our program teams and we give them a referral so that they get to go into the store, choose the items that work for them, that help make their lives better and go through the till. It's a very um, discreet process. You wouldn't know that they were there getting help any different than anybody who was in shopping in our stores. But they don't pay, right? They don't pay. It's all free. Love that. Great work you do, and again, you're covering the whole city. Karen, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. That's Karen Ramchuk, President and CEO of WINS. That's the Women in Need Society. Online at W-I-N-S, winsyyc.ca. Are you looking for the new Xbox Series 10 game console? If you are, you're not alone. A year and a half after launch, they're still super hard to come by. But some good news. You'll soon be able to play Xbox games without an actual console. Gadget guy Mike Yanni had that, uh, has that story, plus a new way to shoe shop using a bit of tech. Good morning to you, Mike. Hey, good morning. Did I have you at Shoe Shop? You did. I think we can skip the Xbox part. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a, this is a pretty big deal okay, for gamers fine. out there. Um, I was just talking to Brian, uh, your producer there, and we are just talking about how the Xbox Series X is almost impossible to find, you know, a year and a half after it went on sale. But this is kind of a way that gamers can now play Xbox games without the console. There's a bit of a catch, though. So Microsoft has announced if you own the brand new series of Samsung televisions, so we're talking about 2022, you can download an app. And then what it does is you can stream games just like Netflix to your television without a console using any Bluetooth controller. And then you can play more than 100 of the latest games from Mm -hmm. Xbox, which is really cool when you think about it. This is the interesting thing, though. Google tried this. For about four or five years, they launched something called Stadia, which was another gaming streaming service. Same thing. You don't need a console. You just needed their controller, and it failed. It was a flop. And if Google couldn't do it, can Microsoft pull this off? Will this take over? It'll be interesting to see how this works. Yeah, I think it's just one more uh, opportunity to market. I think about when, you remember when... uh Apple teamed up with U2 and they downloaded every uh, U2 album. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. I guess you we do don't you talk can. about that anymore. No. <laughs> I guess you got to try or else you'll never know, right? Yeah. But you got to think too. Microsoft has a huge gaming base, like way more than Google did too. And I think the infrastructure has changed over the last four or five years greatly. So they've got a shot at this. Okay. We're going to switch gears because Sue has to get this in, mm-hmm. guaranteed. Hurry up. He wants to put her best foot forward. <laughs> uh, virtual shoe shopping? Yeah, I actually tried this this week. So if you are looking for brand name shoes on Amazon, you can now, there is a button under certain brands that says virtual try-on, and you can use virtual reality with your phone, like augmented reality, and you can point it at your feet, and it will actually show what the shoe looks like on your foot. 
and you can go through the different colors. And I've got to say, I, I tried it, and it works really well. Huh? And I think the neat part is you can see your, you know, your body and your legs. So if you're wearing a certain outfit, you can even see if that color would match. That's pretty cool. Does it help you with sizing as well then? Like, you know, if I, it might be a, an eight and a half in some or a nine in another, does it help that? You know what? It, that does not do that yet. Okay. But you can guarantee that's coming next. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool technology. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say, though, if you point it kind of at the side, because you know how sneakers, uh, you know how they have patterns on the side, it doesn't work great if you're looking at the side of your foot. But from the top down, yeah, it works well. That's pretty cool. Just before we let you go, this is huge. My house, my kids are the biggest time sucker is TikTok. Yes. Yeah. You know how, how you know you you want them to enjoy it. You want them to be creative, uh, but you don't want them to be on it all day. What do you got for us? So they announced last year that they would have time limits, uh, but they're expanding on this now. They were pretty limited. You can only do it every day, and you had to reset those time limits every day. So uh, they're rolling this out right now, so you can actually uh, set your time limits. They don't expire. You can access, this is interesting, daily stats, so your usage, how long you've been on TikTok, uh, how long you've been in the evenings, how long you've been in the, the mornings and daytime, and you can choose more restrictions, and you can get pop-up notifications saying, hey, you've been on for 10 minutes take a break or you've been on for 10 hours, take a break. So they're really trying to expand uh, for, you know, better mental health, which I think is about time. I do too. Or you've done 40 TikTok dances in one day, Andy, <laughs> and it's time to give it a break. I love it. All great ideas. Thank you for uh, getting us up to date on the latest tech, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mike Yanni, the Gadget Guy. You can find him on social media at Gadget Guy Mike on Insta. On YouTube, he's got his own channel. Just search Gadget Guy Mike Yanni. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.